So today I have a well-placed question for you. Are you a transactional leader or a purpose-driven leader? And do you even know what the difference is? Now, I took many, many years to figure this one out, so it didn't come to me all at once until I had this amazing interview with Ari Galper. He is an expert in truth-based selling. And if selling is not your gig, sales is not everybody's thing, nor was it mine. Because sales sometimes has such a bad rep. But as it relates to leadership and you developing your leadership style, a transactional leader has all the answers. A purpose-driven leader asks better questions. And there is a big difference in terms of the outcome. A transactional leader will get you a result. They're a doer. They're a firefighter. And at the end of the day, it is tiresome to be a transactional leader and you wear your people out in the process. But if you are a purpose-driven leader that asks better questions to achieve an outcome, you're definitely going to be ahead of the pack. And what does sales have to do with anything? Sales is a way about extending the relationship. And yes, it does involve a transaction, but in sales, we are really in pursuit of the truth. What are people really thinking about the product, the service, or the task at hand that you're trying to influence? If we ask a better question, and Ari has the secret to asking better questions, we find the truth. We then have information that better positions us to be influential or negotiate based on better data, and ultimately to steer the ship to the outcome we want. So I'd ask you, listen carefully to this truth that Ari is about to share with us, and please, please stay for the rest of the episode. It is amazing. When you say to somebody, where do you think we should go from here? They're usually in a state of shock. They can't believe somebody would actually ask them what they wanted to. They're so used to consultants and advisors taking them down a sales process and they know it instantly. It's over right there the moment you do something that connects you to the negative salesperson stereotype, which is that process like that. So when you flip it like that, you say to somebody, where do you think we should go from here? They just say things like, uh, I, I, I've got one more question. Or what, what about this? You know what comes out? The truth. And the truth is your goal. Your goal is, is build enough trust with somebody where they feel comfortable opening up to you and telling you everything, not just enough to get you excited. Welcome to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. I'm Deb Coviello, and as the Drop-In CEO, I drop into businesses and assume the CEO role to enhance the human element and increase the results they achieve. This podcast is about bringing you conversations with expert guests who have achieved their greatest results built on a strong foundation of purpose, values, and elevating people. If you're a business leader, entrepreneur, or even just getting started in business, join us as we build the skills you need to achieve your goals. 
Hello, my name is Deb Coviello, founder of Illumination Partners, and I am grateful you have joined us for another episode of the podcast, Drop-In CEO Podcast. I get to speak to amazing leaders week after week and share their insights and hopefully inspiration with you. And if this episode resonates with you, and I know it will, please subscribe, rate, and review so we can continue to bring you great episodes every single week. And today, I, I am honored to share the mic with my amazing guest, Ari Galper. Ari is the world's number one authority on trust-based selling and the creator of Unlock the Game, a new sales mindset and approach that overturns the notion of selling as we know it today. And with over 74,000 subscribers and clients in over 35 countries, Unlock the Game has become the most successful trust-based selling approach of our time. And I have to say it, his profound discovery of simply shifting one's mindset to place a complete integrity based on new words and phrases grounded in sincerity has earned, earned him this distinction. And I've had the good fortune of having a discovery call, and I just knew we had to have this conversation for our listeners. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So for my listeners, you know, I have the good fortune of the network being introduced to Ari and, you know, I read all of his material before we came on here. And I will tell you, I have already been transformed in applying some of his principles. So get ready. Listen, he has got an amazing journey. Ari, can you tell us a little bit about yourself personally, your journey and the work you're doing now? Sure. So I'm originally from California and I now live in Sydney, Australia. I've been here about 18 years. Met my wife online, pre-swiping, old school, photo and text. That was about it. She emails me. We had a conversation and I end up being over here now uh, 18 years later. So a bit on this personal side, and I'll cover something else in a little while about that. But I want to kind of share with you the story behind trust-based selling, how I invented the concept of my perspective on it, and what happened to me personally, which might give some context to today's talk. About 20 years ago, I was a, soft, a sales manager in a software company. I was managing underneath me 18 salespeople. And we launched the first online website tracking tools. Now they're called Google Am Analytics. You've probably heard of that. But that then it cost a lot of money. And we were launching the first product. And the big opportunities came across my desk. The leads that were big companies. And this one contact called the office. I picked up a call. Great conversation. And he represented a very large company. And if I close this one sale, it will double the turnover of the business in one transaction. That's how big it was. Like it was a big opportunity. So the day finally came, he agreed to a conference call and live demo to for us to show him our product. And we the day finally came Friday, four o'clock in the afternoon. I was in our conference room with my CEO. I closed the door behind me, the big long conference table. In the middle of the table was a speakerphone, you know, the old school one, Star Trek, kind of three legs on it. And I uh, hit the dial tone, dial the number, he picks it up. And he says to me, Ari, you know, it's good to talk to you again. He says to me, Ari, let me tell you who's with us today on the line. Who's with us in the, in the room today? The next thing I hear is, my name's Chris. I'm CEO. I was like, oh, this is good. CEO's there. My name is Mike. I'm head of global IT. Amazing. My name is Julie. I'm head of marketing. Oh, perfect. Like everybody on this call, Deb, was a decision maker. Like it's the call we hope to get as often as possible because they're all there. We know it's, it's gonna, hopefully going to happen. So I was pretty excited. I introduced myself, described what we do, explained our technology. Then we logged in, gave them a live a demo over the web to show them how it it looks to see their actual data collected in real time on their websites. And I'm showing this to them page by page. And I hear this noise on the phone call like, wow, 
this is great. This is amazing. This is fantastic. They start asking me all kinds of questions. How does it work? How do we install it? What's the technology behind it? Of course, I had all the answers. I was competent at the time. There was so much chemistry on this phone call. It was like a love fest on the phone. Do you know what I'm talking about? I do. I do. It's wonderful. It just feels so right. There's no resistance. It's flowing. I'm getting the high five from my boss in the corner of the room going, you know, nice job. And like an hour goes by. And literally I was doing everything I was taught to do by the sales gurus. I was answering objections, building rapport, trial closing, doing everything you're supposed to do the right way, you know, as I assumed. And the call comes to a close and my contact says to me, Ari, this is great. We love it. Give us a call a couple of weeks, follow up with us, and we'll move this thing forward. I said to myself, oh, thank you, God. How wonderful. Like, this will make my year. This is like life-changing for me. So I said my goodbyes. And I took my, my hand and I reached for the speakerphone and the table to the off button. As I'm reaching for the off button, by complete accident, now I said divine intervention, I hit the mute button by accident instead of the off button. They were right next to each other on the phone. And I kind of slipped, hit the wrong button and a small click happened. And they thought I hung up the phone. And? In that split second, a voice inside of me said, Ari, go to the dark side. Be a fly on the wall. Go where no one's ever gone before in the world of selling. And I pulled my thumb back for a couple of seconds. They started talking amongst themselves, thinking I had left the call. And what would you what would you expect to have heard in a call like that? What would be expected of anyone to hear a call like that? You would have heard maybe next steps, people collaborating, who's going to do what, where, so you know exactly how to position yourself for that follow-up. Exactly. Yeah, and? Yeah, you'd expect that. But let me share with you and your listeners what I heard verbatim, word for word. And that's why we're all here today. What they said was this. They said, we're not going to go with him. Keep using him for more information and make sure we shop someplace else cheaper. Knife in heart twist. I was in a state of shock. I finally snapped out of it, hit the off button, and a little wall, and I said to myself, what did I do wrong? I was professional. I was competent. I was technically competent. I did everything. I was heart-centered, everything I was supposed to do. And the first big epiphany hit me, and you can tell me if you agree with this or not, that somewhere along the way, it has become socially acceptable not to tell the truth to people who sell, right? It's okay to say things like, sounds good. Send me information. Oh, we're definitely interested. Wait, send us a what? Send us a? Proposal. Proposal. Yes, Without having any intention of what? Closing the deal for the follow-up, committing to the relationship. Correct. Mm -hmm. And I asked myself, why is this going on? Why is this lack of truth happening? And I said to myself, I would be fine. They told me the truth. And I realized what's going on is this. There is an invisible river of pressure that flows underneath every sales dialogue you have with someone in your process. Now, you can't see it and they can't see it, but both, it is definitely there. And if you aren't consciously aware of how to take the pressure out of the sales process and conversation with someone, they'll always feel comfortable keeping you at bay, only give you just enough of the breadcrumbs that you want to get you excited in the hope you might have something and you end up chasing what I call ghosts. People who never call you back and you're stuck in this dysfunctional cycle that dehumanizes you, having you lower your authority to chase people. And I decided I'm going to stop this once and for all. And that's why I invented my own, what I call trust-based sales mindset. 
what I call unlock the game, where we basically shift our thinking away from the end goal of the sale. Instead, we focus on building trust with someone at a deep level. We build what we call moments of vulnerability where they feel comfortable opening up to you and telling you the truth. And that became the whole premise of our unlock the game system we had for like 19 years now with thousands of people around the world who transformed their businesses and really relieve themselves of that pressure of having to pursue what I call ghosts who never call them back. So that's an amazing story. And I would love to just go someplace. You know, I feel conflicted because I, as a business owner, have been taught by the gurus, always have a next step, always put another date on that calendar. You got to lock them in. And then you talk about this undercurrent of distrust. And so the sales game and the behaviors have caused this distrust in the relationship. Do I have it right? Yes. Well, well, very well said. So that's, that's so sad. It's so sad. And for all those people that are just up and coming in their career, if they're just simply trying to present information to influence, forget about a sale. Sale happens to be a financial transaction. Influencing people to get decisions is also a transaction. And we need to do it in a way that people can trust and just do the work we need to do. So this is very, very valuable. And I can't wait to tell a side story in this conversation because for my listeners here, and again, I want you to perk up a little bit. He has permanently influenced myself in the relationships I build with people that I potentially can serve. So I want to continue to go with this. Your story, your aha moment, you've gracefully shared that with you. But I think there are some other stories that have also evolved your approach to your leadership and how you show up in the world. I believe a family member of yours has significantly impacted you and your, and your whole life. <laughs> yeah. So another important ingredient, this whole approach and how it transformed me is about my son, Toby. I wrote a book about him called Lessons from Toby, how to be centered in your personal business life. Now, when he was born, after a day after he was born, we were told that he had Down syndrome. And at first, we know what that meant to our lives. But we realized we had a gift on our hands. If you know anybody who has Down syndrome, you know that their gifts are, they're loving, they're transparent. They have no hidden agenda. They're just beautifully, beautiful people. And he impacted me so much in terms of how to communicate with people, how to be, you know, just transparent, so open and honest. I took his way of thinking and embedded it inside of our approach so you can be fully authentic with people and not have to carry what I call sales armor on every day at work, where you put this wall around you to protect yourself from the bullets from the rejection, the resistance that people hate so much about business and selling and chasing people. And if you can live that way, he lives and be like him. He's the role model. I'm trying to help people become very open like that using our mindset. And of course, we'll talk about a few minutes, our unique proprietary trust-based languaging. So what I love about that additional story, and I also read that book that you wrote about who he is and how he has changed everybody's lives. I think there's something so powerful there in being present with people because I have also been told when I was busy, busy, busy and trying to complete transactions and meetings, et cetera. Somebody once told me, I said, Debbie said, you're a great person. I love being with you, but you're not always present. And so sometimes these gifts that come across our way, we can see them as opportunities or challenges. Just your son being as he is, has made you realize be present and be truthful. That's the best way to live. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, a lot of your work, again, I read the book, Unlock the Sales Game, very powerful. But I think what's really valuable to our listeners right now is we need to unpack or change our mindset a little bit. We've been taught in sales what we need to do to close the transaction because we depend on our revenue, but that's not what it's all about. And I think you talk about some sales myths that I think are really compelling for our listeners to understand. 
Yes, we have to clean out the mental hard drive first here and help people get sort of deconditioned, detox from how they've been conditioned over the years to catch up with where psychology now is of the buyer. So there are three myths to address. The first one's a classic one. I'm sure you've heard this before, that sales is a numbers game, right? That the more contacts you make, the more sales you're supposed to make. Well, we discover in this economy now, it's not about how many contacts you make anymore. It's about how deep you go on each conversation, how good you are at trust building, not how good you are, how many phone contacts you make, how many phone calls you make, how many meetings you have. It's deeper than that. The second core myth is the idea that the sale is lost at the end of the process. I'm sure you've been there before, Deb, we had a deal pending. It all looked good. Green light, green light at the end, just kind of like, disappeared on you. You're like, you're like, what happened? They were perfect for me. Like we had chemistry and we had a good match and they're just gone. Well, we discovered now the sale is not lost anymore at the end of the process. It's now lost at the beginning at hello. And I'll prove it to you right now in a fun way. If someone calls your office tomorrow morning and you put the phone up and you hear, hi, my name is, I'm with, we are a, what goes through your mind in about three seconds? Oh dear. How quickly can I get off of this call? It's over at hello, isn't it? And, and, and I would suggest I'm not suggesting your folks are all making outbound calls, but I'll make the case today that many of them are losing their opportunities, not at the end. They're losing them at the beginning, which will be shocking for people to think, well, I don't know, what do you mean at the beginning? We'll talk about that. And the last one is the idea that rejection is part of the sales process. You have to accept it. You have to be tough. Thick-skinned. If you can't take a no, if you can't take a rejection, you're not made for success. It's kind of the old sales manager who got beat up over the years said, you know, it's tough out there. You got to take the, the grit and be tough. And you know, we discovered, we discovered that rejection actually is triggered by certain things you say and do unconsciously that cause the other person to put their guard up pull back from you and now force you to fight that fight. And we'll talk about that today in, in a few minutes about the principle, but those are the three core myths to address. You know, what you have shared with me so resonates again, our listeners get the benefit of listening to our engaging conversation, but I am going to bring it in now. One of the things you said during one of your webinars that I watched was one of the approaches you should change when it comes to building that deep relationship is don't talk about extending offers. Don't talk about the sales. Engage in the conversation. Enjoy each other's company, our culture, and where is that intersection that maybe we can collaborate or serve each other. And in that, I picked a few words rather than saying, let's get something on the calendar. What's the next step? I said, where do you think we should go from here? And it was a very honest, open question. It opens up the soul. It gives the other person pause to say, let me think. And then how do I value this relationship and what might the next step be? And I started using that. And while I engaged recently with a potential coaching client, no pressure, I listened. They're talking to me about the challenges in their life. I say, what do you want to do? I get ready to extend an offer, but he told me to. And then I let it be and I didn't hear from them. And then they contacted me today and says, I want to move forward. It took the pressure off when we asked different questions in language. I feel good. Hopefully, he'll feel good. But I love the fact that these three principles, especially around building deep relationships, not like, okay, I've got this three-step program, a three-month, six-month, nine-month. You fit here. How soon can we get another date on the calendar? You've changed me. And I'm just sharing that with everybody. Impactful stuff. 
let's go to some of the principles. Now that you've identified some of these myths, I'd love to know some of the principles that people can learn from. Because I know, because I have even benefited from just getting to know you and your work, but maybe the principles people can apply them even when we're done here today. Sure. So we'll do a couple. And what you mentioned there, but one is the idea of always be taking the pressure out diffusing pressure during the whole time. And we invented our own languaging to use. It replaces typical f- scripting, the sales languaging. And you shared one there, but I'll say it in a different way. Let's say having a first call with somebody over the phone. It's a great conversation, good chemistry, a good fit. Call comes to a close. We're typically trained to say things like what? And then a call like that. How about we move forward? How about a next step? See, work wired and conditioned when we sense an opportunity to move it towards the end goal of the sale, which is our goal. But what happens if you try to move something forward and they aren't ready yet at the beginning? What do you break with them right in the beginning of that process with them? If you try to move them forward and they aren't ready yet. They're triggered. Yeah, it's over. You lost it right there, even though you wouldn't know it. So in our model, when say a scenario, call is going well, good chemistry, all looks good. We don't say, hey, how about we schedule? How about we have a cup of coffee? We say, like you said, we say, where do you think we should go from here? And I'll say it again. Where do you think we should go from here? Now, what is shifting here with the way it's being delivered? It's taking pressure off. It's asking one to think and share with me, how do you think this relationship is going? It's almost like, is there... It's not quite asking for a next date, but how did they feel? When you say to somebody, where do you think we should go from here? They're usually in a state of shock. They can't believe somebody would actually ask them what they wanted to. They're so used to consultants and advisors taking them down a sales process and they know it instantly. It's over right there the moment you do something that connects you to the negative salesperson stereotype, which is that process like that. So when you flip it like that, you say to somebody, where do you think we should go from here? They just say things like, uh, I, I, I've got one more question. Or what, what about this? You know what comes out? The truth. And the truth is your goal. Your goal is, is building up trust with somebody where they feel comfortable opening up to you and telling you everything, not just enough to get you excited. You know, I'll validate that. Um, I'm considering an offer from somebody else for some some content that I really want to engage with. And they have been completely transparent. They have given me every bit of information I want. They have just laid out the cost, all of the value. Nothing is there behind a curtain. And I actually feel in control. Like I've got all the information I need to be making a decision. No pressure, no deadlines. This is what it is. And book and take it up until the last day of registration. I feel wonderful. And if I were on the fence, I might teeter in favor of going with it because there's no pressure associated with it. And I'm looking internally, is this something I want to engage with now? So powerful. Excellent. Absolutely right. And if you can be the one to remove the pressure from the process using our think, our mindset and our languaging, they will gravitate towards you and they'll say to themselves, he or she just gets me. 
And that's the goal because trust is when someone else resonates with you, when they feel you understand them at a deep level more than anybody else. Because in reality, they really don't care about your solution or how you solve the problem. What they care about is that you're the one to solve it or not. See, they're selecting you, not selecting your process or your program or your mastermind or your group. They don't care about how you do it. What they care about is, do I trust her? And if you attempt to move that person towards a typical model like we're used to doing, you've just dropped your authority about 50% instantly by using any kind of sales techniques we're probably used to. So I don't know. I'm going to give you an option whether do we go into another principle or let's, let's do one more. Let's, yeah, let's do one more. And then I got a follow up question. Go on. Sure. Sure. So the other key one is the idea of what I call getting to the truth people. Now, what does that mean? That means having the other person feel comfortable opening up to you and sharing everything with you that's relevant at the moment, not just a little bit of a part of it. They're usually holding back if they don't trust you. I'll give you a quick example. I recently had someone call my office. They got through my team, got to me. I picked the phone up and I heard Mr. Galper. I said, yes. And he said, my name is John Johnson. Changed the name. He says, I'm with XYZ Company. They're a huge company. And we're looking at you and two other people now to bring on board to work with our sales team. We're looking at you and a couple of folks. We'd like to know, first of all, why should we go with you? Why are you the best? And give me your best sales pitch. He says this to me. Okay. <laughs> he wants me to start doing what? The old-fashioned way of sales. Yeah, let me tell you what I got. I got I'm the see, that's the game he's used to. Now, of course, we unlock the game. We don't we don't operate at that level anymore. So I took a deep breath. I'm a human being too. They're a huge company. I lowered my voice, stay centered, and I used my languaging and I said this. I said, Well, isn't that interesting? And I pause and I said, over here at our company, we have a very similar process to you where we ask a few questions, gather information to see if we're a good fit. And for a good fit, we decide where to go from there. And I said to him, would you be open to that? That's all I heard. And I heard nothing on the phone. Then I felt, this, this, but like you, his shoulders came down. He felt, uh, he actually relieved his, his breath came to the phone. Like he became human again. He let go of his armor he was carrying. He lowers his voice and he says to me, uh, okay, what kind of questions do you have for me? Yeah. I mean, it makes such sense. I don't sell right away. I want to understand the other person before I can even, yeah, go on. <laughs> the next thing I know. We're having a very open conversation. And within five minutes, I discover, one, he's not a decision maker. Two, he has no budget. And three, he's just curious as to what I do. And after five minutes, off he went for some of my videos online. I hung up the phone. Now, what did my process just save me months of? Well, you unlock the truth to understand how you could serve or not this individual. Save me months of chasing, pursuing, following up. And there's this drug in our bodies and it's triggered with inbound calls like that. You know what it's called? It's called hopium. hopium. You know the hopium yeah. drug? You get so excited. You got the phone call. You had the amazing call. Like, Woo! I got this deal. You know, the hopium is so excited. You're like, yeah. And then you follow up with them and you get their voicemail. Like, what? They're not there. Then you go to your computer and you open your email up. You say, hi, I'm writing you to what? To... Follow up on our conversation. Yeah. And I'm going to ask all your listeners right now 
take an oath with me, a verbal oath, to never again, forever as of today, use the phrase follow-up ever again as of today. Amen. Never going to do follow-up because... Like, What's the only industry in the world that uses the word follow-up typically? Well, a doctor, and that couldn't necessarily be good or bad, and sales. Sales people. Ah, there's a classic one, too. I'm giving you a call with touch base. Checking in. These are all 1980s classic phrases that just, just, just derail all that. I want to check one thing with you. One person mentioned to me because they so understand, don't do the sales thing, build the trust, sell yourself before you can go to how you can serve. But what about reaching out to them and saying, like almost like continuing the conversation. So let's just say they went quiet and you just put something out that, you know, I was thinking about you. I was reading this article the other day and the CEO had the same business opportunity and this is the path he talked. I thought you might find this interesting. How does that work? I like that. That's a really nice bridge. That feels very comfortable to me. So just a bridge, just to continue the co- virtual conversation. Look, if, if it's flowing, great. I've got other ideas to, to pull back people you've lost. Also, not calling you back, but that's great. But let me tell you this. What you say instead of follow-up is this. You say, I'm giving you a call to see if you have any feedback on our previous conversation, any feedback on our last meeting, any feedback on proposal. See, feedback's going, not going forward. It's going backwards away from the sale, not towards it. The moment you attempt in any subtle way to create a next step, it's over. Because they can feel that what you care about is your next step, not their issue. And that's the subtlety of it all that we don't even know about until now, that this subtle languaging and techniques can just derail everything, even though you'll never know it until they, at the end, you chase them, they never call you back. You're like, what happened? So what I really love about that, because I talk in my book, The CEO's Compass, Your Guide to Get Back on Track, one of the things that we don't do well enough is feedback. And when we talk about, can you give me some feedback on that last meeting that we had? Because I love to learn from these experiences. I value the relationship. And you would be doing me a favor if you could share that. That shows respect for even the time you spent together and potentially keeps you top of mind. And if they do give you feedback, you've at least maybe preserved the relationship. If not now, maybe they reach out to you later. I'd love that. I love that. I, I, you know, we're going to go on and on, but I got to ask you a question. So you are a disruptor. Oh my. So what is it that there's a leader out there listening to this podcast? They haven't contacted you. They haven't picked up your book. Who needs you? I mean, who should, what's the persona of the company or the leader that needs to be connecting with you? Because this is so disruptive. Look, the ideal person for this who has the highest ROI is someone in a low volume, high price point business high trust business, not high volume, low price point, like widgets or low items you're selling in volume. But if you're in a high trust business with someone, a professional, an advisor, CEO of a large business that has expensive software, anything that requires a relationship and a long-term commitment, then this is will revolutionize your whole business because most likely, even though you're making sales now, you're probably losing a lot more than you're making, not because of your product, but because of your approach. If you can clean up all those losses immediately by not spending a dime more marketing, but just work on the conversion process only, then you will find new opportunities sitting inside your own universe. And you don't need to hire more salespeople if you improve the convert rate. More is not the answer. 
Oh my, this has been an amazing interview and you have so much content here. But what I want to do is I want to keep people excited and wanting more to hear about you. I want you to share with us any last closing thoughts and how people can get a hold of you because this is so powerful about what you bring. It's very disruptive. You've already impacted me in how I'm approaching prospects and people reconnecting with me of their own choice without putting any pressure on it. So thank you personally because you're impacting my business. But Last closing thoughts for you. Look, I think the big idea is this. Stop selling and build authentic trust instead. I'm not suggesting you are not authentic or you are integrity-based. I'm not talking about who you are. I'm talking about a new skill set and how to deliver that from you to them and not letting your old notion and definition of selling get in the, in the middle of that and making you feel uncomfortable and it all breaks down there. So... My suggestion to you, if this resonates with you and you feel like this connects to your values, we have an intro course you can take for free at unlockthegame.com. Uh, my books are there as well. You can grab a copy there if you like also. And I do have, I do do a show once a month on LinkedIn called Stump the Guru, where you can jump in live and throw me your toughest sales, complex challenges you have. And I'll answer it live on the show. Uh, just, just ping me on LinkedIn, drop, connect with me there, say hello that you met me here on Deb's podcast and I'll get you into that. But yeah, unlockthegame.com is the best place to get hold of me directly to have a consultation. So I am just so excited for this interview because while I know you are in the sales arena, the content and the and the myths and the principles are so applicable to anybody and how they show up and they're trying to influence or get a transaction based in trust, not the sales pitch. <laughs> You've been an amazing guest. Thank you so much. And I wish you continued success. Thank you, Dad. Thank you for listening to the Drop-In CEO Podcast. My new book, The CEO's Compass, will change the way you think about leadership, navigate rapid transformation, and elevate the leaders of tomorrow. If you're feeling off track, the CEO's Compass Assessment will guide you to peace of mind in days, not months. You can learn more about the CEO's Compass by visiting my website at dropinceo.com. Now go out and lead, inspire, and achieve your goals.